Good morning. Great to be here with everybody. I missed everyone last week. I was out at the Bible camp with our youth group for the retreat, and we had a great time out there. It was freezing cold. Uh, but one thing I learned that if you play hide and seek, the kids don't care how cold it is or whatever. They're going to play. Um, they had a great time. And uh, I think it was a, a really good time for everybody who was there. Uh, but we did miss being here last week. It's great to be, be back with you. And it's still cold out there, but uh, glad everyone's here. And if you're visiting, we're delighted you're here with us as well. Over the last couple weeks here, uh, David has done an outstanding job of introducing our theme for 2024. It's the theme of I am. What we're trying to, to do this year is uncover who the great I am is. God says to Moses that I am who I am has sent you. That's what he told Moses to tell the people of Israel in that incident in the burning bush. And then later in, in the book of John, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And so Jesus is claiming to be God, claiming to, to be deity there. And David has uncovered that over the last couple of weeks. But in particular, he's looked into how both God and Jesus are givers. That in the, a couple weeks ago, Genesis 22, the, uh, the situation with Abraham offering Isaac, God provided a ram in place of Isaac. And that place is called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And God provides for us in so many ways. He gives for us, gives us so many things over and over and over again. And then, of course, Jesus is a giver. And we see that most clearly in the fact that he gave his life for you and for me. And so what we want to do this year is look at who Jesus and who God are and then look at ourselves. So this morning, the we, we, last couple weeks, we've looked at the fact that God is a giver. He's a provider. What about you and me? Are we givers? The whole goal of Christianity, folks, is to look more and more like Christ, more and more like God. That's our aim. And if, if God is a giver, if Jesus is a giver, shouldn't we be givers? Shouldn't we also be giving? Now, we can never outgive God. We can never perfectly match what God has given. Because God's the greatest giver there's ever been. But we can, we can emulate him to the best of our ability. And that's what I want us to think about this morning, is that we've already established that God's a giver. What about you and I? Are we givers so I want to look at three areas this morning that we can give as Christians. And first of all, we can give materially. We can give materially. This is probably where our minds go to first when we're thinking about giving, like giving money, giving some type of uh, supplies or food to somebody. That's what we're looking at, at here. You know, in a few spots in Paul's writings, uh, he talks about a fund that he was taking up for some poor some needy Christians in Jerusalem. And it, you know, it, it's something that we can kind of skip over, but Paul actually mentions it several times. It was really important to him to take up this contribution to help these needy Christians in Jerusalem. One spot he mentions this is Romans chapter 15. He says this in verses 25 and 26, but now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So Paul had been lobbying for these other churches to give to the church in Jerusalem, to help these needy Christians out. And he says the churches in Macedonia, the churches in Achaia, 
they've been pleased to make a contribution to help their brethren in Jerusalem. And Paul was going to carry that gift over to them. But if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, this is probably the most lengthy discussion about this contribution that Paul is trying to take up. And, and Paul here is, is trying to encourage the Corinthians to give to this effort for the, Jerus the saints in Jerusalem. He's trying to encourage them, and he uses the Macedonian Christians as an example. Notice what he says about these, these Macedonian Christians here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Starting in verse 1, he says this, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of the participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So again, Paul is trying to get these Corinthians to contribute to this, this fund for these needy saints in Jerusalem. And he's saying, hey, the, the churches in Macedonia, these guys have given. But notice what he says about them. A, a few points here. Number one, they're under a great ordeal of affliction. That's what the text says, and your version may say something a little bit different. These Macedonian churches, they were, they were being afflicted some way, somehow. They were under a great ordeal of affliction. But secondly, Paul also says that they were in deep poverty. Now, maybe that's what the affliction was, or they're, they're connected somehow. But they don't have a ton of money. They don't have a ton of things to give. They're in deep poverty, so would you expect somebody to give who's, who's in a great ordeal of affliction and in deep poverty? Probably not, but guess what happens? The Macedonians, they give liberally and beyond their ability. Paul says, I mean, beyond their ability, they gave to this contribution for these needy saints. Folks, they are in deep poverty. They're in a great ordeal of affliction, and yet they're giving above and beyond what Paul could have expected. Not only that, you notice what he says there, that in verse 4, that they begged to participate in this contribution. That's what Paul says. He says, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. How often have we ever begged to give? How often have we ever begged for an opportunity to help somebody else out. Better yet, how often when we were tight on money, when we were really struggling with something, have we begged to help somebody else out? How often have we begged to be a part of a, to participate in giving to something or to somebody? And that's what these Macedonian Christians were doing, that they're in a great ordeal of affliction, they're in deep poverty, and yet they are liberal in giving, they're begging to be able to give. And Paul's really thankful that they were. And he's using them as a great example to give. Even in the uh, terrible circumstances, they're still overflowing with joy to give. What a great example. Now, how is all this possible? I think Paul tells us in the text, verse 5 says that they first gave themselves to the Lord. You see that there? 
that they first gave themselves to the Lord. Not second, not third, not... No, they first gave themselves over to the Lord. They had decided that everything that I am, everything that we, we think we do, it's, it's God's. I've given myself over to God. And so viewing it like that, that I'm already God, everything that I'm already God's, I belong to him. Everything that I have is his, so I, I can just give because it's his anyways. I'm just giving back what he's given me. They had given their lives over to God, and so it was easier for them to, to give. I really like what R.K. Hughes says about this. When we know that our lives are not our own, neither will we think that our possessions are our own. It's easy to surrender part when we've already given the whole. They'd already given their whole lives over to God. And so to, to contribute, even if they were suffering, even if they were struggling, it was easier for them to give because they had already given their very lives over to God. They surrendered it all over to him. So no matter what was going on, they were going to give <clears throat> what about you and I are we like these Macedonian Christians that it doesn't matter really what situation we're in we are going to give we're going to help out in whatever way that we can and listen it may not always be monetarily it may not always be with money it, it, that's a great way to give absolutely and we encourage that but it can be in many other ways there's there's other ways to give materially to people and we should be looking for those opportunities to give. Paul continues this discussion into chapter 9 about uh, giving. And he says this, uh, a more familiar passage in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 8. He says this, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything you may have an abundance for every good deed Paul first starts off by kind of pointing to uh, farming here that if you sow sparingly you're going to reap sparingly if you sow bountifully you're going to reap bountifully I mean think about a farmer if you scatter a, a bunch of seed a, a lot of seed you're going to have a better chance of reaping a crop, right? Reaping the benefits of that. Whereas uh, compared to someone who's putting out very little seed, they're not going to have as much of a, a crop coming back to them or a benefit coming back to them. So if, if we are liberal in our giving, we are sowing bountifully, we're going to reap bountifully. Now, that does not always mean that if you give 150 bucks to somebody or give somebody you know, a, a shirt or something, that you're going to get the exact same thing in return. That's not exactly what we mean there. Maybe you will. What I think Paul is saying here is because of our giving, we are going to be blessed in some way, shape, form, or fashion. That because of our giving, there is going to be some benefit that is going to be had by somebody because of our giving. And maybe it's just the feeling of joy that we give from giving. Maybe it's the, the, the help that we've given somebody else and the life that we've changed by giving to them. That the, that's the benefit. But if we sow bountifully, we are going to reap great benefits from that giving. God's going to bless our giving. Again, doesn't mean we're going to get more, the exact same thing back or, or more back, but we're going to be more blessed than before, I can tell you that. God, God will bless our giving if we are sowing bountifully. There's going to be a bountiful harvest. 
And so, again, Paul's encouraging to, to give. But then Paul says, listen, let's not do this in a, in a grudging, uh, begrudgingly or in a, in a way that we feel like we're compelled to do it. Let's do it cheerfully. For God loves a cheerful giver. And our attitudes when we give should be cheerful. It shouldn't be something that, I can't believe I have to give to this person. Or I can't believe I have to contribute again. It should be something that we long to do, that we enjoy to do, that we are filled with joy to do, to give to others, to give back to God. And then Paul closes this section out by saying, God's able to provide you what you need to do these good works. He's going to take care of you, and he can enable you to give. So folks, where are we at in terms of giving materially? And I'm not trying to hang this over anybody's head this morning. What I want us to look at, again, is the fact that God and Jesus have given so much for us. And like that song says, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou give for me? What have we given? And if God and Jesus are givers, shouldn't we be givers? And this is just one way that we can give is materially. And we have so many generous people in this congregation. And we're so thankful for your willing hearts to give. Thank you so much. And your giving does not go unnoticed. I promise you that. So thank you for, for your giving. Secondly, give support. Now, I'm not talking about monetary support, because a lot of times we say, you know, like we support a missionary, we support somebody in some effort. That's not what I'm talking about here. I found a, a definition of support from Oxford Languages that it says, bear all or part of the weight of, hold up. What I want us to look at here is that we should be giving one another support in one another's lives. And this could look like a, a lot of different things. It could be giving a shoulder for someone to cry on when they're struggling. It could be giving somebody a hand to, to help them with some type of task. It could be giving somebody encouragement. David gave a, a series of lessons, or maybe it was just one lesson a while back. Uh, I believe it was called like alongsiders, where David encouraged us to come alongside one another, be there for one another in the, in the pain, in the struggle, whatever we're going through along this path of life, be right there beside one another. We should be giving one another our support. I love what Paul says in Galatians 6 too. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. We can all be tied down by different things in this life. Different struggles, different pains, sin. And in this context, Paul in verse 1 had just been talking about a brother who's caught in sin. We need to restore such a one. We can be caught by various burdens. Are we there for one another? Are we there to give one another support, to bear that load? That's the idea that, that a burden is something that's it's too heavy to, to carry alone. It's a weight on our shoulders. Are we there to give a hand to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we there to, to bear that burden with them? And, and many times, this is just what somebody needs to, to just have somebody there with them. To have, some, to have somebody to, to cry with, to, to talk with, or just, just somebody there to listen to them. Are we giving that to our brothers and sisters in Christ? I love what Paul, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about the body of Christ. That the body has many different parts, many different members of a body, but every single member of the body is important. 
So very important. And Paul ends up saying in verses 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. <coughs> Folks, if there's a member of our body here at Creekwood who is suffering, we should be right there with them in their pain and their struggle, helping them through it. And we see that so many times in this, in this congregation when people are struggling so many of you go right alongside someone and help them during that pain. We should be right there along with them in that struggle. And the same thing, if somebody is honored, we should be right there supporting them. Whatever they've accomplished or for whatever reason they're being honored, we should be right there beside them, rejoicing with them for whatever they're being honored for. We're a, we're a, a collective body here, folks. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should be there for one another, supporting one another, no matter what happens. And Paul says something very similar in Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We should be right there with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Whatever we're going through, who else is going to be there to support us if we're not there for one another? So that's another thing that we can give. Not just materially, we could also give our support to one another be there for one another and then lastly here we could also give thanks we can also give thanks and there are so many ways that we could show our, our gratitude but look at psalm 136 verses 1 through 3 this is all throughout the psalms by the way thanksgiving to god but give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. God's love, his kindness, his, his goodness, it, it's everlasting, it's evermore. And we should be giving God thanks all the time for what he's done for you and for me. We should be praising him and thanking him. Every moment of our lives, every, every day, because of what he's done and what he continues to do for every single one of us. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. It never fails. So we should always be giving praise. And again, this is all throughout the Psalms, giving thanks to God. Just think about all the ways God has blessed you in your life. If we were to write that down on a sheet of paper, I mean, it would go on forever. We should be thanking him every chance that we get. Are we giving thanks to God? And we do that here on Sunday mornings when we're singing. We're singing praises to him and we give thanks to him in these songs. Let's carry that into every single day, thanking God. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul was talking, talking to the, the Christians there about putting different uh, sinful practices away. And, and look what he says there in verses 3 and 4. But immorality... Or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. We got to put away the filthy talk, the, the silly talk, the coarse joking, the crude joking. And instead of that type of stuff, our mouths should be filled with thanksgiving, giving of thanks. And folks, I don't think that we should be just, we absolutely should be thanking God. But I also think that we should be thanking one another. And this goes back to what we were just talking about a minute ago. 
There are so many people who affect our lives for the better. How often do we go and thank our brothers and sisters for what they mean to us, for what they do for us? I remember when I was in Montgomery, our preacher there was Randy Medlin at uh, the University Church of Christ. And I was the youth minister there. And every now and then, periodically, he'd just step into my office and he would just say something like, Tucker, I really appreciate you. I'm so thankful that you're here. And, and I, I'm so glad God brought you here to this church. And the work you're doing is just amazing. I cannot thank you enough. And that made me feel so good because I just to have somebody uh, appreciate my, the work I was trying to do and, and trying to accomplish with the youth group, I really felt good by him giving me thanks. And there are so many people in this congregation that have made an impact on my life, and I haven't thanked thanking you enough. And so for those of you who have made a big impact, thank you. But we should be thanking our brothers and sisters for, for what they mean to us, for what they've done for us. Are we doing that? Are we going out of our way to, to thank our brothers and sisters in Christ for the impact they've made in our lives? Maybe it's a, a teacher that's taught something here that, that stood out to you, or, or maybe it's just a friend who's been there for you. Let, let's be thanking one another. Show our appreciation. You never know what a, a simple thank you could do to somebody, to, could, could mean to somebody. Let's be giving thanks first and foremost to God Let's give thanks to one another, to, to those who, who have made such an impact on us, who, who are there for us. And of course, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In any and every circumstance, we can find a reason to be thankful. No matter what we're going through, we can find reasons to be thankful, and that's God's will according to, to Paul, that in all circumstances, in everything, give thanks. Are we showing our thanks, our appreciation to God, to our brothers and sisters in Christ? In any and every circumstance, are we giving thanks? Folks, there's so many areas that we could, we could give. But are we emulating the Father? Are we emulating the Son? And that they are givers, are we being givers? I want to circle back around to, to what Paul says about the Macedonians, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5. He says this, And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. Folks, this is the key to everything here, is giving of ourselves first and foremost to God. First, giving everything over to Him. And that's really what we talked about last year with the theme on humility, is surrendering our lives over to him. Giving our very selves, everything that we are, everything that we think, everything that we do, all that we are, all that we have is given over to God, and we say, not my will, but yours be done. And that's the key. Because again, when we give ourselves to God, when we give all of us, all of ourselves to him, it's a little bit easier to give in the ways that we've talked about this morning. Because we recognize, I'm already giving myself to God. I've already given everything over to him. All that I have, all that I am is his. And so I'm, I'm just going to give. Because I want to follow what he says. And I want to emulate him. But it starts there by giving our lives over to him first and foremost. And like R.K. Hughes says, it's easy to surrender part when we've already given 
the whole. Many of us have surrendered our lives to Christ in baptism. But it doesn't stop there. Remember what Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's a daily thing to surrender our lives over to him. And I'm reminded of that song. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. There's that word. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Let's give ourselves first to the Lord. And that's where it all starts. That's the key, giving everything over to him. And then it becomes more easy to give in the ways that we've talked about this morning. Maybe you have surrendered your life to Christ in baptism. But maybe you've, maybe you've stumbled and you haven't had that daily surrendering, the daily carrying of the cross. If you want to come forward, we'd love to pray with you and for you. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ in the waters of baptism, there's no better time than this morning to give yourself to him and then give for the rest of your life in service to him and service to others. If you have any need this morning, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.